0: Welcome to Blackbird episode number 53. My name is James, and today I am thrilled to bring to you a conversation I had with a coach and consultant business strategist, Alex Brookman. Alex is a well-known consultant in the entrepreneurial space, and I wanted to talk to him about purpose, stakeholder capitalism, and just kind of what he sees as the definition of strategy. A lot of entrepreneurs and managers of businesses kind of confuse tactics, strategies, visions, that kind of thing. And so I wanted to just get some clarity from an expert in the field. I think that you're going to enjoy this conversation, especially if you are an entrepreneur or a wannabe entrepreneur. Before we get started, let me tell you once again about an entrepreneur who you know well. Matt Sersely is the agorist tax attorney. He wants to help you find ways to legally avoid paying some of your taxes. He's an agorist, a libertarian whose goal is to cost the IRS and the federal government money and help you save yours. Matt provides advice for federal taxes and can also provide state-specific advice in Texas. Matt Sersely is the agorist tax attorney. Sign up for your free consultation right now at agaristtaxadvicecom blackbird. Again, that's a free tax consultation at agaristtaxadvicecom blackbird. And with that, here is my conversation with Alex Brookman. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. Thank you very much, James, for having me. I'm super excited to be a guest on the show today. Sure. So we met on this uh, this new podcasting like matchmaking service. Really, it's called PodMatch, which I'm loving. And since a lot of my audience members also have sort of half rate podcasts like mine, it's a good way to find find guests. If nothing else, why don't for you know the people who've never heard of you, which is probably all of my audience at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you kind of give a bio of who you are and what you do? Sure, no worries. Um, I am
1: um, in my early 40s, um, a, a dad of a 19-month-old, um, so still very early in the process of parenting and getting, getting into all that. So it's a wonderful experience, an exciting journey. Apart from that, I've been working in the strategy area for 15 years now. Um, First with um, large corporations, so as an employee, later as a management consultant, and um, for the past years as an entrepreneur, helping other entrepreneurs, business owners, and um, also corporate leaders get their head around the topic of strategy, understand what it means for them and how they can use strategy, vision, work, purpose, connect all those things to make it a powerful framework and um, build better businesses around those.
0: So what do you think, are you of the opinion that the purpose of starting a business is to make profit? Or are you more of the, like a stakeholder capitalist type or a purpose-driven business type or something else?
1: Well, the old notion of shareholder capitalism is basically dead. Uh Um, even, Even the most capitalist uh, entity on this planet, probably Wall Street, has understood that it's all about stakeholder capitalism now rather than shareholder capitalism. Because we see what happens when companies only focus on shareholder capitalism, meaning on profit um, at all costs. We just destroy the world around us, we exploit the people around us, and it's just not sustainable. So I'm totally a uh, purpose and profit type. I believe that the purpose of organizations, especially for-profit organizations, needs to be to make money, to make sufficient money, but not at all cost. Mm. So we need to understand companies as an absolute vital ingredient of society. And we need to make sure that organizations, small and large, Are grounded in in a purpose, meaning addressing an issue that's out there in the world that is kind of, that they are kind of uniquely positioned to solve, if that makes sense. And that can be something around around environmental protection, that can be a unique, specific need of a certain target group, it can be whatever is out out there students, patients, um, you name it, athletes whoever your target group is and whatever their specific need is that you are uniquely positioned to solve, Mm. that needs to be your purpose that shines shines through in your your vision, meaning where you want your company to develop into and in your strategy, which is just the way how you get to that vision. Um, So, and I, I, I can't answer this question any other way. I just recently... Uh, gained a certificate at Harvard Business School about um, sustainable business strategy. So if I had said anything else now, they would probably revoke my certificate. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, So are you familiar with John Mackey's kind of thesis along those same lines? He's the founder and CEO of Whole Foods and just sort of a (laughs) piece of red meat for my audience, sort of a dedicated libertarian, but who is spreading that message of, Conscious capitalism is what he's calling it. And, yeah. you know, you don't, have to be a, you don't have to be like a left-wing green environmentalist in order to do this, but you can be, obviously. It's really more about finding the purpose other than making money, right? Totally.
1: I mean, James, I look at business completely free from any politics. I don't mm-hmm. care yeah. um, which political party you love or don't. And these things really don't matter. In the context of doing business, because there is business, uh, and and let's let's take business like drilling for oil, because it's so nicely politically charged.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: just because you're a, a liberal person doesn't mean you need to condemn drilling for oil, or the other way around. Um, it's it's just the way you approach doing business. It can be either sustainable or it can be let's say, less sustainable or completely Mm non-sustainable. If you take large-scale fisheries that have those huge trawlers and nets scraping across the ground of the ocean, that is not sustainable. You can love fish as much as you want, Mm -hmm. and you want to support those fisheries as much as you want. This is industrial harvesting of um, marine life in a way that it's not sustainable. Whether you love fish or not doesn't matter. Um, And the same is true for oil. You can love driving your truck that needs, I don't know, 30 gallons uh, per per kilometer or something like that. Um, I love riding my Harley. Still, I am very conscious about my environmental impact. So I'm not riding this thing all day, every day and nothing else. It's just a pastime activity. It's a hobby. And it's something that I truly enjoy. And still, I am very conscious about my um, consumption patterns, about Mm. consumerism as a whole. And um, that's what I mean when I talk about conscious capitalism. You need to understand and be intentional about what you do and understand the impact of what you're doing with your company. And as an entrepreneur, if you build a business that should be there for more than just making money, it is very easy to find a purpose. And that purpose can be grounded um, in environmental protection, which is something I'm totally passionate about. So I even work pro bono for environmental protection agencies. They can use me as a free resource when it comes to strategy. I'm also very passionate about um, curing childhood cancer, Um, but it's nothing that I can do and combine with my job. So it's just that I give money to research, right? It's, it's the way that my business supports them. And, um, and you can also be absolutely passionate about something that happens around your local community. If you have a business that's grounded in your local community, hey, sponsor your local football team or something like that and give back in, in such a way. Um, it's probably not the purpose of your business, but it's something that helps you ground your business and give it a higher purpose than just making money for yourself.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's sort of like a mission. I mean, I would say that people generally don't go into business thinking I'm going to screw everybody over. I don't know that anybody has ever done that. It's kind of a caricature, I guess, of of fat cats or whatever. I guess
1: very few people would have ever done that, and I totally agree with you that especially entrepreneurs typically don't do that. Yeah. And still, there is this notion out there that the entrepreneur is the bad guy, the evil guy, just in it for making money. And I really would like to help that we overcome this because most entrepreneurs actually, why did they become entrepreneurs? Because they were truly passionate about what they do, about Mm -hmm. what they love, even if it's just a hobby in the beginning or a side hustle. um, And when they go full-time, it's not about making money in the first place. It's about doing something that brings a unique value to your clients. And only then you will be able to sustain your business over time. If you're in it to make money, that will shine through fairly quickly. And there have been countless examples of companies, large and small, that screwed up because of that. Take Lehman Brothers. They screwed up big time, man. Take Nokia. They were totally internal focused rather than understanding what the value of their products is for their clients. And they completely forgot to reinvent themselves. Nokia basically disappeared as a brand at least in the mobile phone space. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, James.
0: Speaking of sustainability, I mean, that's kind of all, all sustainability really is, is thinking long-term. I mean, you know, yeah. if you have a scarce resource like fish or oil or, you know, customer goodwill. Fresh air, yeah,
1: clean water.
0: Yeah, all of those things. Then um, then you would be ill-advised to squander it, to act in ways that, that make it unsustainable. So you've got the intentional strategy toolkit. So I guess, why don't we get into a little bit of strategy? So far, we've talked mostly about philosophy and, and you know, mission and, and vision and that sort of thing. How does someone who is just getting started in business, make sure that they have a worthwhile and sustainable purpose? And then how do they strategize from that?
1: Great question, James. Actually, this is really difficult for many entrepreneurs to understand because they mm-hmm. don't have a background in, let's say, general management or business administration. They came maybe through their profession, whatever it was that they did, and realized that they, that they could do it themselves rather than being an employee. So they started their own business or maybe they, they learned a certain craft and want to run their own company around it. Very few people actually do have a solid business background that um, then later become corporate leaders. Most corporate leaders, they have a different background, not business strategy. So just because you might not get your head around it right now doesn't mean you're the only one. There are many, many people out there that run successful companies that struggle with strategy. So that's basically the reason why I, why I wrote this intentional strategy toolkit. Because it's a very easy way to understand what strategy actually is and how it helps you focus your focus on the priorities that you design and, and define that help you build a business on your own terms. And what that means is, is this. Strategy is basically a skiller. Like sometimes you even have, you heard, hear the term strategic acumen, which is mm. the ability to think and act in a strategic way, as opposed to being busy in the operational day to day. That's basically the, the those two um, dimensions that you need to take a look at. And um, more often than not, successful entrepreneurs start out around a problem statement. So a problem that they want to solve for the world out there. And um, if they do this well, they are successful, and, and they can't even even understand how fast it goes, and they are just all in and very busy and in the daily grind. And it's really hard to then take a step back and ask yourself, the things I started a year ago? Are those still the right things? That will propel my company to the next level where I envision it to be in two years, in three years. So it's the the ability kind of to balance the short-term, the operational, and the mid- and longer-term and the strategic development of your company. And this is what this intentional um, strategy toolkit that you mentioned helps you with. It helps you, first of all, understand and write down where you want this company, your business to be in two to three years. So it first of all opens up this this window that you can then look through and be like, okay, there is something more than my day-to-day 15 hours that I put into my business. Um, That's not sustainable either because it just burns you out over the long term. So getting out of the busy work into the strategic work is super important. Mm -hmm. And when you've written down your vision and there's a clear way of doing that and and I help you with that in this toolkit then you make it measurable and break it down into smaller increments that you can work toward and from there you define what it needs what it takes to reach the vision one step at a time what are the things you absolutely have to say yes to and what are the 90% of things you need to say no to because they might be funny they might be fancy they might be shiny but they don't really help you to get to, the, to get to build the company that you want to build. So this is very often um, a self-leadership topic, being conscious about where you invest your time in, mm. especially as a company leader. Money is abundant. Um, if you want to have money to build a business, go to your bank or ask some other alternative investors. There's a lot of money out there nowadays. But time is the only scarce resource. That we have. If we spend a day unintentionally, the day is gone. You can never relive it and reinvest it in a different way in building the company that you want to build.
0: In working with entrepreneurs, do you find that they tend to flip from interest to interest, goal to goal? <laughs> entrepreneurs are
1: funny. We entrepreneurs yeah. are funny because <laughs> we find opportunities everywhere, every day. We yeah. see opportunities in, in in basically everything because. The way we think is like, huh, interesting. I wonder how this could work for my business. Or, oh, this is a cool way how they phrase their offering on their website. I think I'm going to rework my own, right? So it's, it's those things that come your way each and every day. And they are probably good ideas, but you, you have to learn to say no to basically the absolute vast majority of them. Because... There is a vision that you created. There is a business that you want to build. There is a future that you want to create for yourself to reach um, fulfillment in what you do, to have more personal freedom, and everything else is just a distraction. Mm-hmm. And um, this is especially difficult for entrepreneurs, yes.
0: Do you have concrete strategies for Thinking more strategically and saying no to the the shiny objects? First of all, you need to define
1: what's a shiny object and what's not. Mm-hmm. So and this is this is done by understanding where you want to be as a company. That's the first step. So thinking and acting strategically is basically the ability to use a certain set of tools, strategic tools, to go through a certain strategic thought processes. So Thought processes that help you step back, take a look from a helicopter perspective on your business and um, be brutally honest with yourself and where your business stands. And it's about um, certain tools and systems that you can use that are considered to be strategic tools and systems. Um, And it's a skill that everyone can learn. It's it's just a muscle that we typically don't use very often. And therefore, it's so much easier for us to lift the heavy weight of the day-to-day rather than lift the strategic feather because we don't know how to lift it. That's everything. That's that's really the whole magic behind it. If you were, like me, a strategy entrepreneur, helping companies work on their strategy every day, the strategy feather would be very easy for you to lift. It's just something that I do every day and um, I'm very conscious about, also for my own business. So if you are in a completely different business than I am, it might be not so easy for you to lift this strategy feather. It's, it might be way easier for you to lift a ton of calls every day with your clients, which might be difficult for other people. So it's the muscles that we train that help us to lift the weight that we need to lift. And sometimes, even for those who are really good at running the day-to-day, running operations, um, getting a hell of lot of things done every day, ticking all the boxes off your to-do list... Sometimes also these people, especially when they're entrepreneurs and and, and small business owners, they need to make space for mid and longer term thinking. Otherwise, they are just stuck where they are. They might get more efficient in what they do. But are they doing the most effective things to develop their company further? Mm. I would doubt.
0: Do you work primarily with businesses with staffs and things like that? Or are you also working with just a guy in his home office working on a side hustle? (laughs)
1: both yes and yes but very in very different ways so of course the work that I do is mainly geared to so the day-to-day the project work that I do is mainly Mm. geared to large corporations so the companies I work for are um, well-known brands and and companies partly with more than 100,000 employees
0: Mm. okay
1: but that's a completely different type of consulting that I do around the topic of strategy and purpose than what I do with entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, they are way faster. They can be way faster than those huge companies. So if, if you decide tomorrow that it's time to strategize and to rethink your business... You can do this immediately. You don't have to ask anyone for permission. You don't need the funding. It's there. You are the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the CSO, the CIO, the CHRO. You are everything at once, right? (laughs) You are the owner of the company. You are the entrepreneur. So what do you do? You understand that you need to learn things. First of all, you need to understand this whole strategy bees a little bit better. And that's why I um, created um, a self-paced online course for entrepreneurs that they can go through um, on their own in their own speed, um, in their own way, um, with a whole bunch of um, of workbooks and, and and playbooks and everything basically that you need in order to go through this course and at the end you hold your new strategy in your hands and furthermore you know how to implement it. So these are self-paced courses with a lot of videos, very interactive different mm-hmm. ways of learning. but what's part of that is, are one-on-one coaching calls with me. So I help you then through the barriers that you might encounter on the way so that after eight weeks, you will hold a full-blown new strategy for your business in your hands, ready to implement. So it's a completely different, different way to service those types of entrepreneurs than I service my large corporate clients. Nonetheless, I enjoy both
0: and I don't want to miss either. So how do you, this is more for me than for the audience, <laughs> but, but how, how do you find clients? I don't really have an interest in working with 100,000 employee companies, but uh, you know I've got one client in my side gig and I would like to expand that and I don't really know how to do it. How
1: do I find clients? Um, when it comes to entrepreneurs, um, so people that take my online course and um, go through let's say, their business development process with me, this just really works through um, online marketing, through mm-hmm. everything you do on LinkedIn, Twitter, oh, sure. Facebook, Instagram, podcasting, your newsletter. So it's, it's creating a community around the value that you offer. When it comes to the large corporate clients, they weren't large in the beginning. You just get referred, you um, approach someone based on a conversation you may have on a conference, and you develop it. You have to go through the grind and um, build relationships, build trust, and then constantly deliver value. So one of my biggest clients um, is a global pharma and diagnostics company. I've worked for them in year one. I think we wrote checks or or invoices that were maybe around the €20,000 mark. And um, this has developed incredibly well over the Mm. past seven, eight years. This is key account management. This is not sales. This is key account management. It's constantly delivering highest value and working your way into your client in a way that they see not you trying to sell more but you adding to uh, you yeah. adding value and so when they not... see you're constantly adding value you will you will stay with that client for a long time
0: so you're not helping this i mean obviously this is probably part of it but your your primary focus especially with these larger clients is not here you're starting a new business let's get you off the ground or here you're you know reframing how you do business let's let's relearn how to spread our wings. This is a a long-term thing that you're doing with people.
1: Yeah, those projects um, with larger corporations, they typically, if they are in the strategy area, they typically are something between nine months and two years. Mm -hmm. So it's about defining, for example, um, the business strategy of a whole business area. And we're talking tens of thousands of people that are involved and touched by it. So it's not just sitting down, going through an intentional strategy toolkit and then just doing it, um, as an entrepreneur would do. Here we are talking about involving all kinds of different stakeholders, change management, communication play a massive role in that. And um, those large organizations, they are super complex. So it just takes some time to work your way through. It's a different kind of work, but it's incredibly fulfilling because you touch the life of thousands of people, maybe even millions for example, if you touch the business strategy and you define new services that help uh, patients around the world.
0: So what's some like concrete advice, practical stuff that you would tell someone who's just getting started and might just be that solo entrepreneur?
1: I think the biggest, the biggest advice that I've gotten in my life was always think from a client perspective. Mm. So don't think about how your business should look like. Think about the unique value that you deliver to your clients and the way you deliver this value over a longer period of time. What makes it, what makes it valuable and how, you, how, do you, how will you sustain this value and develop it further? I think if you approach business from that perspective, it's basically impossible to fail because you address a need immediately. If you just have a great idea, you don't know whether this great idea is considered to be great in the eyes of someone else. But if you approach it from from a customer perspective and ask yourself, what is the need that this specific target group has, for example, then you are inherently creating something of value to them. The second advice is probably along the lines of balancing your energy when it comes to how much time do you invest in operations, in building your business, in um, creating your website, in, in, I don't know, ramping up production, whatever it might be, and the strategic side of things. Before you spend a ton of money on something, you need to understand whether this is the best type of investment for you. So, strategy comes first, then comes execution. It's not the other way around. I personally burned quite some money because I did it the other way around. And I'm a strategy guy. So remember, <laughs> even I, do the, I make these mistakes. Yeah. No, no one is, is free from making mistakes. But if I, if I could go back in time, I, would have, I could save a lot of money um, just because I would approach the way I build businesses in a different way. So build your strategy first, understand your priorities and then build your business around a unique value that you can deliver to a client.
0: How do you personally deal with difficult clients? I'm Well, I don't want to tell too many tales out of school, but what would you say to someone who has a client that is maybe more demanding than they're used to or just a jerk?
1: I don't work with jerks. I walk away from jerks. It's fairly simple. I'll only live this one life, and I'm not in it to let myself make make myself miserable um, because someone has um, some unresolved issues and is letting steam off when working with me. So it's not going to work. The other part that you mentioned is demanding clients. So I never would uh, I, I would I would not say a demanding client is a difficult client. Um, it's just a different way I would frame it. If someone is demanding, there is already a need in it, which is great because they actually need something. If they are demanding, they need something. And um, when when you deliver services to someone or products to someone and that client is demanding, it is an incredible opportunity for you as an entrepreneur to learn because they want more. They want something better. And this is nothing else than a pot of gold for you to understand how you can make your services even better in order to serve even those high-demand clients. Of course, it's sometimes difficult because when people start demanding things that were not part of the contractual agreement, it's hard to say no. It's always hard to say no for, for entrepreneurs because, of course, you want to have a happy client and you don't want to lose the client relationship. So having a clear agreement that you can go back to and be like, I understand that you want this. It is not part of our original deal. If you want, let's discuss how this might look like in a, in, in a second agreement or in a new contract or however you want to frame it. But it's really important to not let yourself squeeze like a lemon. It won't make you happy. Um, in the end, you're in it to make a living. And if you give away all your spare time to demanding clients without getting paid, What you end up with is more work, less money, and um, kind of a win-lose situation. I always strive to create eye-level partnerships with my clients so that it's a clear win-win. That they are better off working with me and I'm better off working with them. So I don't consider myself a contractor or a service, just someone who delivers a service. I'm in it to be a part of their team. Mm-hmm. So when I join a large corporation and work with them on a big project, I want them to treat me as an employee. I want them to treat me as they would treat their most valuable people.
0: Yeah, I noticed when you were talking about the, the big pharmaceutical diagnostics client that you used the word we when you were talking about cutting checks instead of they, um, that, that actually stood out to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that you clarified that, that you do actually consider yourself part of their team and not, yes. just, not just the outside consultant coming in to tell them how to do things and then kind of whirlwind out. James, I, I totally understand that some people
1: don't want to become part of someone else's team. They are happy to be on sure. their own. They love being the solopreneur Um I am, a, um, I am an entrepreneur. I, I know the value and the fulfillment that's in, inside this job description. And I love it. I enjoy it. And still, I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. I need the human connection. And if you are a solopreneur and you're always on your own, it can be incredibly great to work in teams. Even if you are the outside person coming in for just a certain period of time for a certain um, project it's it's incredibly great to be seen as part of a bigger team and to to celebrate with your client as a team when you are successful
0: i'm <laughs> I'm kind of torn on that because on one hand I really love the idea of complete autonomy and you know if I want to do my work at two in the morning who's to stop me and on the other hand I'm a complete extrovert and so I go completely stir crazy if I have no human contact for even a day you know just uh so i've actually i in my like my day job i've been working remote since prior to the covid pandemic uh i it's a remote job and i get i get really crazy sometimes and when like if i couldn't when i couldn't go to Starbucks for those couple of months that everything was shut down just to just to get out of the house for a day, i was depressed i was anxious i was not sleeping right, it was insane. It had mm. actual physiological effects on me. So I, I totally get that. And actually, it's reassuring, too, as sort of an aspiring consultant to know that actually some clients actually want you to join their teams, not just that's your business model or whatever. So entrepreneurs also tend to be procrastinators, I think. Is that your experience?
1: <laughs> You're so right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How So I would imagine a big-picture strategy is good to start with with a procrastinator but you really have to get granular in order to overcome that is that right do you have strategies for overcoming procrastination
1: procrastination has very different meanings to
0: different people yeah um the, the chief operations officer at my previous company, he said, I'm not a procrastinator. I am results-driven. Like, <laughs> which means you're up, you're up at one o'clock in the morning on Sunday preparing your Monday presentation yeah. to pass off to, of course, as the, chief, as the COO, to pass off to your assistant who has to load it into PowerPoint for you in an hour.
1: I think procrastination for me as an entrepreneur does not really exist. Okay. I'm not a procrastinator. I, I know how how it feels to procrastinate because outside of my business, I do procrastinate. So like, uh, I don't know, repairing the broken doorknob, as long no. as this thing kind of still works, I'm not going to fix it, right? Even if I knew that it would make my life so much easier not to fiddle around with this thing all the time um, to make it work. Or I have, this, I have this garden tool where the handle falls off all the time I use it, but it still cuts, so why bother and go to, I don't know, Home Depot and buy a new one, you know? It's just like,
0: meh.
1: as long as it kind of works, let's, let's not change it. But not in my business no. And I think this is the, the beauty in strategic planning and execution that there is no such thing as procrastination for me anymore because I know that what I do is the right thing I know that I do it at the right point in time and I see how the things connect. And because I see how they connect, I, I see the disservice I would do myself, my business and the people around me if I started to procrastinate.
0: I'm just not a procrastinator. <laughs> so do the people you work with though, are they, do they struggle with it? Or is that just not part of what you're kind of advising and helping with?
1: No, not, not really. So okay. um, it's, it's not part of the game, um, especially not if, let's say, on the client side, that, that's totally not my problem. Um, procrastination, I mean, they do their business on their terms and their time. I'm okay. not advising on that kind of topic. But I do have people that work with me in my, my team, in my company. Um, and I am not managing them in, in a way that I would, I would micromanage them or anything. Mm-hmm. They, I, I'm totally results-oriented. They know what we need to do and by when. And I don't care what they do in between. If they are able to build a swimming pool first before they get to work and still deliver their results on
0: time, be my guest. I don't mind. (laughs) What would you say the first step in strategy design is? If you're on the very, very ground floor, you're still digging the basement.
1: Um, To understand what strategy actually is what oh, it means. Okay. I think this is the first step. This is the biggest issue for many people um, because the term strategy is ubiquitous. It's everywhere all the time. Everyone uses the term and it's no one really jargon. understands it. Yeah, it's, it's jargon. It's it's a buzzword. And um, it has become a joke for many because they don't understand what it means and they use it all the time. We need a strategy for this. We need a strategy for that. That does not match <laughs> our this strategy. You're so right. Guys, you're talking tactics. This is not strategy, for yes. example. So it's really important to understand what strategy is and what it is not. Um, on my website, I even, I, even have a, I have a blog on my website and I, I even wrote an entire article about what strategy is and what it is not, just to define it, what it means, because the term is so incredibly misunderstood um, because of its use in all kinds of um, situations in life.
0: Why don't you break it down? What is strategy and how does it differ from tactics?
1: Strategy is different from tactics in many, many ways. Um, Tactics are tasks, are things that you do um, to achieve a certain outcome immediately in the here and now, right? So you have a a negotiation with a client, with a potential client, and you you, um, negotiate over a contract. Mm. So you sit there and you negotiate. And you can have a certain tactic how you negotiate. People would use the term strategy for that as well. We need a certain negotiation strategy. No, it's not a strategy. It's tactics. It's something that you do in the here and now. A strategy is a plan to reach a goal in the distant future. It's not in the here and now. It's something that it requires... A different kind of thinking than what the type of thinking that you need to be successful, let's say, in a negotiation in the here and now. Strategy is not a grand vision, strategy is a concrete bucket of priorities that you execute on over a certain period of time. So um, there are so many things that strategy how you could characterize strategy, um, either through the scope, through the time, or through any other characteristic. But I think the biggest biggest misconception about strategy is that it's for them up there, especially in large organizations. People would always look upwards. We need a strategy. Mm -hmm. I can't do my job. I don't know the strategy. And, And that's the biggest BS I've ever heard. Because you can always design a strategy for the area that you are responsible for, even without having a written down strategy from top down. And strategy is about caring about the future and giving it your best effort and your best shot in building an even better business or an even better future. So it's something that everyone can learn and everyone can use. It's not for them up there, it's a muscle that you can train as an entrepreneur even if it's just a side hustle. Um, yeah, I think if we understand strategy as a way of thinking and acting, it's not a magic, dark secret or um, a hidden, hidden knowledge that only the McKinseys of these worlds possess. It's something, it's just a way of thinking and acting differently than you would in your day-to-day job.
0: How does strategy differ from methodology? I'm not sure I understand the question. The way I, okay, I maybe the way I see it, methodology is sort of the step-by-step pattern that we follow to get from point A to point B in our business. And I, I would imagine that, strategy, that that's more of like a instruction manual for implementing tactics. Mm-hmm. So how does a strategy relate to that? When you're designing a strategy, do you like lay out what your tactics are going to be? Or is it more, is it even bigger picture than that?
1: Get it. Thanks for reframing that. Um, let me put it that way, James. The the strategy that you define in order to reach a certain future state of your business has an incredible power to also touch the things left and right, not just the strategy. Because it's so, it's so fundamental to your business that it also touches different areas. For example, it touches um, your purpose, right? So when your purpose purpose shines through your strategy, it's going to help you bring your purpose to life because it's in your strategy somehow. Um, It also touches the topic of capabilities. When you design a new strategy, this strategy will definitely push you out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, you wouldn't have created it. And that means most of the time you need to learn different skills that you don't possess right now. So as much as it touches purpose or skills and capabilities... It also touches the topic of systems and processes. Um, So, a new strategy could mean that you deliver your service or your products in a different way. Um, That you have a completely new approach to servicing your clients. That means that your underlying business processes need to be adjusted. And those business processes are typically there to keep your business stable. But with a new strategy, you are rocking the boat. You're doing Mm -hmm. something different. So. If you don't adjust your processes, you will always revert to, back to old systems, to old ways of working, to old ways of doing things. So that's where you need to come up with new new structures, new systems that don't support the status quo, but that support the new way that is defined in your new strategy. And um, when it comes to, to tactics, for example, I would say in this context, I would understand tactics as something that an individual does in order to contribute to the bigger picture. This is something truly important, especially in large organizations. When you break down your strategy into measurable and manageable increments, when you put strategic goals, measurable goals and milestones into the game, and then help, let's say, someone in human resources understand what their individual targets are in order to deliver the nugget of value that they can deliver into the bigger picture. But that's not what you do when you define a strategy for a large organization. You define the strategy and then translating it into action is a leadership task. That's the, that's the job of, of managers and leaders to, to do that. So strategy design is not talking about tactics or, or as you phrase it, about methods.
0: What are some mistakes you've seen that people have made in, in designing their strategies?
1: Everything. I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, the, the biggest mistake um, that I've seen, though, is writing down a strategy that basically says, we're going to do what we've always done, but now we're going to do it better.
0: <laughs> now we've got it written down.
1: Yeah, awesome. <laughs> now we are faster and more successful. And I have a very concrete example that everyone knows. Just take, go, go to mcdonalds.com and take a look at their strategy. It's absolutely insane that they describe this as a strategy. They basically say, we want to sell more meals to more people more effectively. That's it. Huh. This is not strategy. This is operational excellence. This is doing what you do in a better way for more people. That's not a strategy, full stop. Um, and, and this is probably the single biggest mistake that I've seen during my career, that people come up with something that basically describes what they do today, but this time they do
0: it better. Let's get back to purpose a little bit. So you mentioned earlier that like a big part of your purpose is um, some of your philanthropic, dealings and working pro bono with environmental organizations and things like that. So when a company is defining their purpose, I guess the question is, does it need to relate to their business, like what they offer or... Not at all. Okay.
1: Not at all. Um, I'm really glad you asked this question. Um, Some of the best purpose statements that I've seen in life um, have nothing to do with the business that people are in. So my personal purpose statement is to help make the world a better place. And then you define it and break it down how you do it. And I do it by um, helping environmental protection agencies get their head around strategy, um, for example. But it does not, it, it's not stated in my purpose statement that, I, that, that my purpose is to help environmental protection agencies. Um, because the way I help make the world a better place has many different facets. Mm. I'm in the business of strategy. So it's, it's, you know, those two things are not necessarily related. But I know that by touching the lives of other people and help them build better businesses, I help them make the world a better place because it's kind of a, multi- a multiplication effect that's, that's taking place. And um, if you take a completely different example, one of the companies that are, um, or have been repeatedly cited as one of the most purpose-driven companies in the world is the apparel producer, um, Patagonia. They are an apparel producer. They produce gear and and, and clothing, but their entire purpose and mission center around environmental protection. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. They pledged years ago 1% of their um, sales to environmental protection directly, millions and millions of dollars over the years, and they do way more than that. The the, the way they work, the way they produce, the way they source, all these things are connected to this purpose. You you can't protect the environment by throwing money at, at someone and say, do something good with it. And then at the same time, ah, Let's exploit those kids in Southeast Asia <laughs> producing our apparel and sell it for a lot of money. That's not what sustainability is. Sure. Anything around environmental um, protection, social responsibility, um, corporate governance, so those famous ESG topics, they, they start somewhere and they end somewhere. And you need to understand what this means for your organization. You can't drain sewage sludge into the ocean and at the same time claim that you are um, sourcing responsibly um, for your production. Those things just, they don't work together. So your purpose can be completely different than um, what you do, kind of. Like the purpose can address an issue out there in the world that does not necessarily have anything to do with the goods or services that you deliver. It's then about how you live up to that purpose in the way you operate your business and what you do with the funds that you make from running the
0: business. Does that ever run the risk of alienating potential clients or employees?
1: Oh, I hope so. Because you don't want the wrong ones. (laughs) You want the right ones. And I never really that's what I was hoping your answer
0: would be. About, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I never really care about alienating someone. Um, if, if that is your purpose, and that's the way you run your business, you will attract the right kind of talent that will resonate with that. And the amount of energy that you will unleash with that is just tremendous. And it's not for everyone. Business is not for everyone, and your business is not for everyone. The, the biggest mistake that I've seen in, in my own career is thinking you need to please everyone. You don't have to. You need to find your niche or your niche, as they say in the US, <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. Find the sweet spot. Find those that believe in what you do, that love what you do, that have a need that you address. And that's all you need to do.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, I think that that's probably a good place to close it out. I'm very inspired by this concept of strategy, which I've never really thought about. Even as someone who's been, you know, dabbling in little entrepreneurial ventures here and there since I guess probably 2011 or 12, I've never written out a strategy. I've written a few purpose statements Those kind of change, but (laughs) getting into the the flitty nature of having that sort of entrepreneurial personality.
1: Well, James, I would say go to my website, alexthestrategist.com on the landing page, click on the intentional strategy toolkit, download this thing, and start working on a hands-on strategy for your business.
0: All right. I'll make sure to link to that as well. I was going to have you pronounce your last name, but since Alex the Strategist is a little bit easier to spell, that's what we'll link to. Awesome. I appreciate it. You, links, Alex. It
1: links to brookman.ca, but hey, try to explain how <laughs> you sp- pronounce my name. As I'm not going to get there. Just alexthestrategist.com and you're good. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you so much for having me, James.
0: All right, thanks again to Alex for joining me today and thanks to you as always for tuning in. Remember, you can find this episode and every episode of Blackbird at blackbirdpodcast.com. Sign up there with your email address. And if you would like to get early episodes along with pre-show banter between me and the guests and any written content that I happen to put behind the paywall, you can shoot me $7 a month or $70 a year and I will hook you up with all of that. However you happen to consume the show though, know that I very much appreciate it. I will see you real soon here on Blackbird, and until then, live free.